Do it. Do it. Welcome to the Austin Otaku Podcast, hosted by Jesse McDonald and Keith Good. Welcome back to the Austin Otaku Podcast, everyone. My name is Jesse McDonald. I'll be one of your co-hosts today. And today I am continued to be joined by the lovely, I enjoy saying lovely, Keith Good. Keith, how are you? Oh, thank you. I'm so lovely. I think you're uh, lovely. Oh, thanks. You know what? Listen, if if if, if everybody thought that way, I wouldn't be single. Ah, uh, anyway, totally joking. <laughs> There's no sympathy here. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, how's your week been? I haven't, feel like I haven't seen you much this week. Uh, you know what? Um, busy. Yeah, busy. It, it's been We're one of those busy. weeks where we, you know, got a lot going on. I, I realized that there was some work left behind that I'm now having to pick up and uh, <laughs> um, correct some issues, which is always a lot of fun. Uh, so I really look forward to these Friday afternoon chats uh, with, with you and our guests because it gives me an opportunity to de-stress for a minute. Me too, man. Uh, yeah, this has definitely been a, a stressful week. A lot of attention on our department, which is good. But, man, we've been busy. Busy. Yeah, a lot of fun. So, yeah, we're looking at a big uh, format change this week. Actually, yeah, just, just to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. Uh, we are probably going to continue to evolve how we do this show. You know, pr- I would say until the end of the show. <laughs> probably. <laughs> As, because as we're, SEOs, we're just going to keep testing. We're going to keep testing, seeing what, what works um, and you know, trying different formats. So in addition to um, what we added last week, which was the lightning round, uh, we are um, going to add a tell me something good segment where all of us are going to give one recommendation of something we really think everybody would benefit from having in their lives. It could be a movie, uh, a a band, uh, an anime series, a comic book series, whatever it takes. So yeah, um, we're going to add a little bit to that and then we'll see how that response goes. And maybe we'll add something next week. Maybe we'll take something out. Maybe we'll just go to complete silence next week. (laughs) We'll record an hour of complete silence and force people into it. (laughs) I like it. I'm super into it. Yes. Well, today uh, we have an incredible guest who is also a big proponent of testing. This week on the Otaku Austin Otaku podcast, our guest will be Nava Hopkins. She's the director of paid media at Hennessy Digital, an integrated digital marketing agency run by Mr. I Love SEO himself, Jason Hennessy, a veteran of both SEO and PPC as far back as 2008. She now manages the strategy and execution of paid media, leading a team of paid search and paid social champions. Most of you will recognize her and her appearances on the international speaking circuit and her contributions to blogs or webinars for SEJ, SEM Rush, and WordStream. When she's not working, it turns out she is also an otaku like us. One of us. One of One us. Of us. <laughs> She enjoys gaming with her husband and hangs out with her pets, HK47, Freya, Chinook, and Aru. Much to Keith's pleasure, she is also a Sith sympathizer. That's hard to say. But she is also into awesome things like Magic the Gathering, anime, manga, Ren Fairs, and of course, metal. Welcome to the show, Nava Hopkins. Yay! Thank you for having me. Uh, 
one thing that, that's actually really funny. Uh, so uh, Chinook and Arhu, uh, they inherited their names, whereas HK and Freya were chosen. So it's just, we have like the, the perfect set, a boy and girl dog, a, a boy and girl cat. It's all good stuff. That's awesome. Hmm. I'm also very glad that I said them at least semi-correctly. <laughs> it, it, it's all good. So um, one of the other reasons why Chinook got to keep his name is that beyond, because uh, he was originally paired uh, with uh, our, our cat, unfortunately he passed away, uh, Kiowa, who was originally named Astral. Um, but a Chinook is both a helicopter uh, and a Native American tribe. And he perfectly embodies that copter or, the, or that chopper. <laughs> uh, it's this big uh, person carrying uh, helicopter uh, where it's not actually meant to attack anything. It's just meant to be a big love boat. And that's exactly what he is. He's just this big love boat. Uh, that's awesome. I, I love my Chinook. I love that's my HK awesome. and my Freya and my Arhu. But that's, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Very nice. We got into it a little bit with the description, the opening uh, sort of introduction for you. But tell us a little bit about yourself, both professionally and personally. Sure. So uh, I love looking at game, or I love looking at game. I love looking at life like a game. Uh, so in both my professional and my personal life, I'm, I'm always looking at the mechanics of things and how can we make the rules of engagement serve us or i.e. me. Uh, so in, in my day-to-day -day job, uh, I manage accounts, I work with clients, I empower them to victory, uh, but then I also look a lot internally, how can our agency operate more efficiently? How can we adapt to serve our clients better? Uh, that might mean cross uh, partnerships with SEO teams, that might mean bringing on uh, an interesting role uh, that could help uh, overall our, our clients succeed. Uh, and then in my personal life, uh, it's really a partnership between my husband and I. Uh, so I'm I'm the one that kind of takes care of the serious business and he's the one that makes sure that all the Zen is in place. And so between the two of us, we're a highly functioning adult living li living our best life. Um, but yeah, it's that's 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 me. I, I like helping people. Um, I also like winning, which is a really weird dichotomy. Uh, so it's but it's proof that a Sith can be good. Yeah, Sith can use their desires for good. I would agree with that. <laughs> so that's so funny that you, you mentioned that. I feel the same way about my wife is that we we both kind of, I guess you would say, balance each other. Uh, we both have our elements of serious that we bring to the table, but then we both have our elements of silly that we bring to the table. It's cool seeing other relationships do that as well. I don't know. Um, this, I might be a little bit biased, but I feel like at least from my experience, the the women tend to be more the serious business having to kind of manage all mechanical tasks and the men at least, or and this is a very much a, a hetero biased uh, observation, uh, basically speaking from my own experiences. Um, so I guess I won't say in general, I'll say from my experiences, I tend to be more on the serious multitasking, managing lots of different things. Uh, and then my husband is very good at balancing um, and, and seeking out joy, Zen, uh, and creating Zen-like experiences. And so because I don't have to worry about thinking about the Zen, like where I normally would have, I would have to treat Zen like a job. Um, and I think that people that fall in, into that parameter uh, it just is difficult. 
I don't know. <laughs> this is a this is a weird line of thought. I did like I don't know <laughs> how we got here. This is, I almost would like to like redo this. <laughs> we we work together cause opposites attract. Thank you, Paula Abdul. <laughs> yep. Speaking of Paula Abdul, <laughs> you have two dogs, uh, which we've do we've talked dogs. about previously, HK forty seven and Freya, which have incredibly interesting names and you mentioned that they were they were chosen what motivated you to name your dog after a a murderous assassin droid from the old republic in star wars and a norse goddess so hk47 is by far one of my favorite star wars characters of all time i just i love him to pieces he is just so fascinating uh because even beneath all all of the efficiency and murder uh, and assassin protocols, there there is actually an empathetic heart. Um, and what was really interesting about HK, um, the, we knew that his name was HK47 before he came to us. He just happened to really fit the mold very nicely. Um, so he, he arrived the first month. It was a month of basically trying to off himself. He jumped off a balcony. He ate a whole bunch of pills. He turned on a gas oh. stove. He impaled himself on a fence. Like we, it was people talk about baby proofing a house I, I we thought we dog proofed our house apparently not um but he is just the sweetest most loving protector that you could ever imagine and he very much is, is the protector of the two um and and he is a, a boxer pit bull lab mix so he, he has quite a bit of energy uh, but he also is just he, he knows how to curl up and he'll uh just sit by my feet and and just endure in the uncomfortable wood desk just that he can be near me and, and hang out with me so he's he's very much that the the hk47 that loyalty uh to revan uh and and how he was just so bound to to serving a master worth serving uh i, I see that parallel there not necessarily saying that i'm i'm w worth serving quote unquote but it just he he very much falls falls into that camp freya on the other hand is we we jokingly call her freya Dawnbringer. uh <laughs> because she she brings the dawn she's just she's so sweet she's so loving she has this beautiful husky smile and what i love uh, truly love about freya uh she cuts hk's nervousness so where hk will be on edge or he, he might not trust as easily when freya's around she just she brings the love and, and freya was was the norse goddess of love um and she she is just this amazing amazing soul and i i genuinely have no idea who in their right mind ever gave her up because um both hk and freya were were rescue pups we we had them uh brought over from uh down south uh, i think hk came from georgia uh freya came from tennessee they would have ended they would have they were in kill shelters and they would have died and i can't understand who in their right mind would have done that to these two because they're just the most loving amazing pups uh and and it's it's a true blessing to have them with us and i'm very blessed in my yard that can house them and <laughs> neither of them have escaped lately <laughs> hk had a, had, a, had a solid eight months where he kept escaping <laughs> i was about to say i remember you saying that he tried to get out a bunch You're oh no he oh my god that's that's actually how we met all of our neighbors is is <laughs> getting is, is bringing hk back home whereas that's freya funny. she's just she's great 
do you have any plans to get Freya a companion child named Balder for her to be overprotective of? <laughs> um, we might need to get a, a cat named Balder because she truly <laughs> loves our cats. She 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 needs to be friends with everyone. What's actually we might need to actually name nickname the groundhog that lives in our backyard Balder because she is constantly hunting for him, not to kill him, but just to like be friends with him. Uh, if you are not willing to cuddle or give her the attention, she'll, she'll cry at you. Uh, and if, she, God forbid, she's bored, like we're just lying in bed about to go to sleep and she wants to play, we will get sassed like like no one's business, but it's but it's a husky sassing. So that means it's the cute howling and <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, HK's just lying there, go to bed. He'll sometimes like <laughs> tap her on the head, like stop it, like you're, you're, you're misbehaving. That's fine. You're, you're his comfortable meat bag. A accurate <laughs> <laughs> obviously a couple of intersecting interests there when you send in your guest form you listed a ton of interests outside of your career i think it was everything from magic the gathering to anime to rent fairs to star wars uh what would you say you spend most of your time in your spare time doing watching or reading or even playing uh definitely it's a combination of reading and playing uh i i actively play the Star Wars MMO. Uh, I, I play the Witcher games quite often. In terms of Magic the Gathering, since COVID started, uh, we used to actually have standing games where I'd play with my husband, uh, his brother, uh, his parents, some of some of his friends, uh, who have in turn become my friends. Uh, but with social distancing, we, we actually have had to cut that back. So I, I sadly don't play as much uh, Magic the Gathering or board games as I used to. Uh, if you'd asked me that eight, nine months ago, I would have actually said Magic the Gathering and board games, more time gets invested there. Uh, but due to COVID, a, a lot of it's just virtual. Um, and then, of course, reading and rereading uh, comics, books. But yeah, I, the definite, I think that's, that's the one thing, and I don't know if you guys feel this as well, if, if you found that some of the interests have just been depreciated a little bit, I, de I definitely miss getting together around the table for a six-hour round of board games uh, or for just a, a set of Magic the Gathering doing a tournament or Double-Headed Dragon. Or there's actually a rendition that we do with um, The Legend of the Third Kingdom. Uh, it's, just, it's a fun little Chinese game uh, where there's a monarch. Uh, Bangus is an offshoot of it. Uh, where it's uh, a monarch, uh, the minister... Uh, the rebels and then the turncoat uh, and as you're playing magic uh, one person is the monarch and you can't actually attack everyone you have to play according to your role so if you're a minister you have to prove that you're on the monarch side plus save the monarch as opposed to just free for all let's just go beat up everybody so that's so I realized the question was what do I spend most of my time doing it's, <laughs> I, I kind of regret that I don't spend more time playing board games, Magic the Gathering, as much as I, I used to, but I, I definitely do spend a lot of time gaming in general. It's my catharsis. See, it's interesting for me that you mentioned that you feel your, I guess, hobbies have maybe dwindled a little during COVID, because I feel the opposite. Granted, I had a child, which makes hobbies a little bit difficult. But when I do have free time or she's asleep or, you know, whatever, my hobbies are actually amplified because being an only child, I'm not a board game or online game kind of guy. Like 
I live by the mentality of I can't wait to be around you all alone. Like I'm just a left alone kind of person. Like I like being around people, especially like my conference family. So like the industry people that we all enjoy, but more than likely, I just kind of want to be around people, but not necessarily interact, just be in the environment. But one caveat to that is something like magic, the gathering. So I've, it's, it's kind of been around for me since early college, maybe even a little bit in high school, but mostly college. Uh, so something that's always been around in one of my previous jobs, we actually played it a lot at work. So we would do like, you know, drafts and stuff after work and even play during lunch. And it became somewhat of a fun competition, but kind of had an unhealthy competition connected to it as well. Um, where there was a lot of deck building going on and people would buy stuff specifically for a deck to build and beat someone else. So I have a lot of stuff um, that I've built some kind of interesting decks out of. So I was wondering. What's, uh, all right, fine. You can ask me first, but I, I was about to ask you, like, what's your favorite play style? Like, what's your favorite color? Okay, so let me ask you and then I'll answer. We'll, we'll back okay. and forth this. What is your favorite deck you've ever built? And what's the one that you're playing with the most right now when you do get to play? So my favorite deck I've I've built, it's a toss-up between my Withering Darkness and my Monster Mash deck. Uh, my Withering Darkness plays off of the function that I put minus one, minus one counters on all of your creatures, turning them into Black Scarabs. Uh, and so I basically wipe the field while building my own forces. My Monster Mash deck uh, is a combination of direct damage and graveyard stealing. You might notice that I'm 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 an, I'm an aggro player. I I I I don't, I don't have the patience. I wish I did for a, for a, tr- a blue play style or a white play style. I just I love black. Black black is is my jam. There, there's actually I, I take that back. There's one other deck I'm extremely proud of. Um, it's my dragon deck, and I'm proud of it because it's the first deck I built that when I pull it out, people go, oh no. Like when I get the <laughs> oh no response, that's that's when I'm like, yay, I, I did it. Um, and so my, my red green <laughs> dragon deck is a combination of direct damage and it's a dragon factory. Very proud of that one. I have a pirate deck that like it's okay. I used to play with infect until I was told I wasn't allowed to. <laughs> um, so I just stopped building infect decks, even though that's, I had an amazing puppy infect deck where the I got it to the mechanism that I'd have an unblockable 10 infect and then you're you're dead. And that's why I was told I wasn't allowed to play infect anymore because it it what you weren't playing anymore. What about you? What, what what do you like to play? So I'm kind of like you and tend to be more of an aggro player. Uh I have some blue and white decks that are okay, but they're not my favorite. They were built in response to someone else. Um and I'm not really a competitive person. I tend to be pretty zen and not really give a damn. Um but this got really bad, so I started making response decks. It was like rap disses almost. But I I tend to play black or red and then a little bit of green. My favorite deck that I've ever built is really stupid and a pure technicality. It's a Planeswalker deck. It's nice. it's all built around Garuk. Uh, it oh, literally nice. has five Garuks in it, and it, it's only playable because they're all a technical different name. Mm-hmm. It's Garuk different name so it's ridiculous if i can get enough mana out it becomes amazing really fast but it's totally a novelty and usually ends up being a debate if it's even remotely playable that being said i think i'm like you 
in that I built a black deck that ended up becoming the bane of everyone's existence. Hmm. It has one card in it called Necrotic Plague, which basically once it comes out, you place it on another card. Once that card has ended its turn, whenever it is, that then moves to another card and it you can't go away. It's constantly just moving around and killing the board. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there. I think we play very similarly. I was forged in the fires of playing against my husband and his brothers. Uh, <laughs> my 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 husband has a deck. Uh, Dave has a deck. Uh, it's called the Pocket Infinity deck. That unless you're able to stop it in three turns, every card in the game of Magic will enter the the playing field. <laughs> It's stupid. It plays every every. It plays everything. It, it like That's it's infinite funny. infinite combinations. It's just That's it's funny. So I'm I'm kind of the same. I'm built off of a group of people that used to buy the championship decks every year, and I'm not into that. So I just built shit off of what I got, and then it turned into what it did. Cockatrice. <laughs> cockatrice is how you you build great decks and save money. So cockatrice is a great database. All the cards in the game of magic. So the decks I mentioned, my Withering Darkness, my uh, Monster Mash, my uh, Pirate deck, my Dragon deck, I build those off of Cockatrice so I could play test them and then buy the exact cards I need. So rather than paying, say, $800 to eventually acquire the cards I need, I pay 30 and life is great. That's funny. My life is built off of everything that I've gotten from drafts. Yeah, but that's why you have a Commander deck and I don't. Yeah, fair. <laughs> You mentioned that you um, you play the Star Wars MMO, so the the Old Republic, um, which I never actually got into because I had spent four years playing Star Wars Galaxies. I don't know if you yeah. had a chance to play that. It was an MMORPG, um, and actually one of my one of my good friends, Grant McDaniel, was the product lead for for that particular product itself, and um, that was. Um, uh, that was a really good game. Did you have a chance to play uh, Star Wars Galaxies? Uh, so not Galaxies of Heroes, though, right? No, no. It was, uh, this preceded I, that. Nah, I, I only got to uh, the, the Knights of the Old Republic ones, so general KOTOR console games, and then uh, the MMO. So I now hmm. need to go look that up. So I'm, I'm assuming you are, are dark side affiliated uh, in uh, the Old Republic. I am because it's better writing. Uh, so the Empire has better writing than the Republic, which is really unfortunate. Um, there's only one play style in the Republic that has good writing, uh, which is if you do a dark side Jedi Knight, it's passable. However, if you want to be light side, the Empire has better writing. You're better served being a light side Empire user than you are being a light side. There's the, the one play style that I just, I, I don't recommend at all. Um, even though the actual character moves are okay, hmm. just be a Seth Inquisitor, um, if you want that play style, is, is the consular. Uh, their story is just so bland. And hmm. there's no consequences for anything. So I, I made my dark side <laughs> fallen Jedi a consular and I deeply regretted it. So I abandoned the character. Hmm. Uh, but he did terrible, terrible things. And and the council was like, You're you're fine. You still get to be <laughs> like I think it's Balsanthor or whatever the, the top Jedi thing is. Whereas the Jedi Knight, unless you're perfect, nah, 
you don't get to join the council. You're you're just a, a our warrior. Go go fix our problems. And it was the the perfect embodiment of Jedi hypocrisy. Like you, <laughs> what? This makes no sense. Whereas <laughs> dark side, like you have uh, the 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 one place I'll actually I think you would enjoy the most uh, is the agent because there's mm. so many different twists and turns of where the story can go, uh, and it's you get to be basically James Bond for the Empire. But you can be any style of James Bond that you want. So you can mm. be the super ethical. You can be a player. You can be uh, a cultist. You can be anything. And it's just, I, I, I very much en- enjoyed those. Uh, and so we, you t- we talked about HK47 earlier uh, for, for my wedding. Mm-hmm. The cake toppers for our wedding. Uh, I was represented by HK47. Uh, and then my husband was represented by M14X, which is a companion mm-hmm. character uh, for the Republic Trooper. Uh, it's one of the only redeeming things about that that class story is M14X. <laughs> I think we have a lot more to go into about the the whole Star Wars galaxy, uh, it seems. Uh, but I think we're getting close to the uh, the the half hour mark here, and um, I think we're probably on to our our next segment for a short period of time, right, Jesse? We are. Uh, with us being halfway, Keith and I have decided. Why not shake things up a little bit and add more segments to this this beautiful fire that we're building every week? So this week, a new segment that we're going to try out and see how it goes is what we are calling the Tell Me Something Good segment. Tell me something good. And in this, we will all give a recommendation for what fuels our otaku fire. Um, so with that, uh, Nava, if you want to kick us off, what is your recommendation this week? I don't think anyone's going to be surprised to hear uh, Witcher, the Wild Hunt, come out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> but the reason why I landed on Witcher over, say, an anime or Star Wars, uh, one, I was given a spoiler that there might be a Star Wars panel uh, that, that that should be saved for. So, so definitely Star Wars. Don't don't feel uh, jaded. Uh, but Witcher actually came into my life at a really important moment where I needed to kind of re-steal myself. Uh, so Witcher came out about the same time as when uh, I had failed a, a nonprofit startup, uh, and I, I was pretty burnt out. And I just like life was the worst. Um, and a combination of taking a job that was fairly efficient and easy for me, but then also this world where I could see different sorts of outcomes and fight monsters, both that were actual monsters and uh, people that, that were just terrible. Uh, it was it was a really good cathartic journey for me. Uh, I, I also very much enjoyed uh, the music, the gameplay. It's absolutely fantastic, but just the timing of Witcher and when it entered my life was was really, I think that's why it, it takes the gold for me on, on something good to try. I agree. It is a really good game. I've tried to play The Witcher 3 a couple of times, uh, but it kind of messes with my uh, my motion sickness. And then my PlayStation always tries to take off every time I play it. So uh, it's always an attempt and never ends up sticking. Uh, Keith, what what's your recommendation this week, bud? I'm, you know, you and I mentioned in one of our previous podcasts about there was an era of time around 2011, 2012, 2013 that had some really good anime that came out. And I was reminded because I heard I heard a piece from 
a classical song that totally reminded me of this anime. It's called From the New World. Uh, Japanese for that is Shin Sekai Yori. Uh, I believe it is 2012-2013 season. 25 episodes. I believe you can watch it on Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll. Not a sponsor. Still not a yet. sponsor. <laughs> you guys will get there. Uh, <laughs> we'll get there. But yeah, Shin Sekai Yori. But uh, the the reason the song reminded me of the anime was is that the song heavily um, plays into the anime itself. It's uh, Antonin Dvorak's Symphony Number no. Nine, and uh, it's part of that had been turned into a religious song called "Going Home," and they used that song as sort of a sim, uh, as a signal in the village for the children to go home from school that day. And um, that was, uh, it's, it's such a, a touching and moving anime series itself that that song becomes sort of embedded in your, your, your subconscious. Uh, and you sort of feel that sort of nostalgia. Uh, the story itself is actually quite interesting. Uh, it occurs a thousand years in the future. Humanity has mostly um, died off. Uh, the humans that r- remain have psychic slash extrasensory slash uh, telekinetic powers. Uh, if a child fails to develop those powers, they mysteriously disappear. But here's the, here's the interesting thing. If a child sort of falls behind in school, fails at an assignment, starts sort of falling behind the rest of the class, they mysteriously disappear. But then the memories of the entire village are wiped of that person. So that person's, even their memory is gone. Uh, so there is a, a very interesting uh plot that then happens when the children discover these infinite libraries of memories and they discover that their memories have been wiped of their best friends for example so did you see ergo proxy yes i love ergo proxy it's just it reminds me a bit of it um maybe not the core plot but just like the the essence that's a a great anime it's a similar era too they both came out around that same I believe Ergo Proxy was 2006, 2007, but yeah, I mean, that, oh, that, yeah, was, a, true. Yeah. that was a good period of time. Yeah, totally. That sounds great. I need to to watch that. I'm, I might need to sign up for Crunchyroll if they would sponsor us. Uh, not a sponsor, and, yet. Not a sponsor yet. Uh, <laughs> to check that How about out. yourself? Yeah, uh, what, what, what's your favorite uh, recommendation of the week? We have to pick one and only one, unfortunately. And that's what's making this difficult for me because I love recommending stuff. I wish that was my job was to just recommend things to people. Lately, when I'm kind of around the house and need some background noise, I've been watching a YouTube channel that plays up to kind of one of those dream hobbies that I've, I've always wanted to have because uh, it's something that my family used to do. It used to be one of the professions of my family back in like the 1700s. Uh, but it's a blacksmithing show called Man at Arms Reforged on YouTube. And basically what it is, it's a a group of, of blacksmiths out of, I think, Baltimore. I can't remember. It's the Stagma Brothers. They're out of Baltimore, I believe. Uh, and they, they build weapons, uh, usually bladed weapons, uh, based off of, you know, nerdy general otaku style uh, shows. So they build uh, one time they built the scissor blade from kill to kill, but they did it in an interesting way where they took all of the, they took, made all of their steel out of actual scissor blades. So got that turned it into a billet and then drew it out into what ended up being the scissor blade. So a lot of stuff like that, like this morning when I woke up to, to feed and change my daughter, I, I put on, 
man at arms and watch them build a Warhammer from Warhammer. So it was pretty cool. It's something that I've had on and it's funny. My my daughter really enjoys when the TV is on because she gets to see things move uh, a lot faster. <laughs> uh, so that's one that she also really enjoys having on, I guess, because of all like the kind of colors from a forge. So blacksmithing something I've always wanted to get into that also plays into my want to be a woodworker. Uh, so that that would be my recommendation this week. Nice recommendation. You are a woodworker. I don't get to. If you work with anymore. wood. <laughs> it's funny. I got a house with a garage with the intent of woodworking and then haven't done it much since. I did it more in an apartment than I did when I moved into a home. <laughs> It was a successful tell me something good. I think we'll have to stick with that, Keith. I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I think that was a good one. Absolutely. That's that's really good. Can I give a recommendation to let us pick three things as opposed to one or no? We're, not, we're, we're only allowed one. Well, the only reason we, we, we limit it to one because there are three people. So, you know. It, three I recommendations. That, fair. Yeah. Three recommendations. Maybe and that's I, an I, idea for a follow-up show. Just an all-recommendation show. <laughs> All recommendations, 24 hours. That'll be a nice editing job for me to do. Right. Do it. <laughs> do it. Do it. Yeah. Hey, so um, are you a, a, a just this, I guess we can get back into the questioning now, right? And then yeah. uh, then we'll, we'll sort of wrap things up with the lightning round. So Renfair. Are you um, sort of a, a cosplayer or do you just are you a general attendee with that? Do you just tend to show up or do you like to dress up? I generally attend and cosplay. Hmm, hmm. Uh, so I even if I wasn't the drama kid that I am uh, and, and lover of, of all things interesting, uh, I married into a family that worked run fairs uh, and that are a family of archers. And so I have no choice but to 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 be when I go to Ren Fair in costume. Uh, that said, I dance between uh, gypsy pirate persona and um, what's it called? Uh, just swashbuckling pirate persona. Uh, I've not been able to lock in a really good just general peasant outfit. Uh, and I'm not skilled enough to pull in a character from from another show, so to speak. I just I just create general uh, period pieces. Uh, my hope was uh, when when I I put my wedding outfit together that I could use that uh, for for run fairs, and then I just stopped going to run fairs. So you well, nobody's up, going now. <laughs> yeah. You have a really interesting point. Uh, and for those who don't know you, because this is what Keith and I were kind of talking about, you mentioned your wedding outfit. Are you saying that you want to go to Ren Fairs in a, a long white dress? Or do you did you do something more fun? No. Uh, so it was, it was a steampunk wedding. Uh, so I found a $7 kind of cream-ish dress at Goodwill. Uh, found a really beautiful brown and bronze uh, with kind of cog-oriented design aesthetic uh, corset. Uh, really interesting gold and black uh, Victorian-style boots. Uh, a hat that was apparently too tall because it got knocked off my head during the, the dance that we, we, we choreographed to mm. uh, Skyrim's uh, Dovahkiin or the Dragonborn comes, like that opening in, when, when Skyrim you first start 
playing Skyrim. Futurum. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that, that was actually there's a there's a video of that dance on Facebook, uh, and my brother did that, and I was both amused and embarrassed because <laughs> equal equal parts. Uh, yeah, it, no, it, I I very memorable. very I very much in, enjoy costumes. I I enjoy playing with different outfits and masks and, and putting on different personalities through clothing. Like that's, that's a fun activity. Uh, going back to the Witcher, which was a beautiful recommendation. That's actually something that comes up in the game where uh, you meet this uh, transgender elf who specifically wears different outfits and pretends to be different people just to play the game of interacting with folks uh, and, and solicit different responses. Uh, so that's, I, I've always enjoyed interesting outfits. That's super interesting. Are you a get into the persona type person or just kind of a dress up and go? I'm bad at getting into personalities that aren't super serious or scary. Like I have no problem being the evil witch of the West or <laughs> jumping out and do, doing like jump scares. Uh, but to do kind of a frivolous fairy. Uh, we were joking around before we started the recording. So I'll put it in here just for forgiveness. Uh, but like doing like the fae kind of characters. I, I just, I, I don't know what it is, but I struggle. I struggle to get into characters. The same thing actually with D and D too. Like I, I struggle to be silly, irreverent characters like I always want to go evil or serious, and I, I I don't have a good reason why. I just I don't know. We were talking with Topher about that in our last episode about play styles with tabletop games, and I'm the same way. I'm you might get into character a little more than me, but it just makes me wildly uncomfortable to be someone that's not myself, and that might be an insecurity within me about myself. But I can't I can't be a character. I don't like acting. I'm good at it, but I don't like it. But I've always had this plan, and I thought it'd be funny, almost like a Sheldon from Big Bang Theory going to Ren Fairs, of I want to build a, a somewhat accurate Ronin costume. So have the Hakama and a, a, a Yukata on, on top and the straw hat and, and go to a Ren Fair as a Ronin with the the eventual goals of building a samurai costume on top of it, but not necessarily acting the character until I get into the element of I really want to get my Japanese to a point where I can only speak to people in Japanese at the Ren Fair and just really <laughs> own that. Um, but that that's interesting. Keith, are you a big that's, cosplayer? Um, <laughs> no, I have been to a number of cons, though. And of course, I always appreciate the work that goes into the cosplays. Um, and I, I imagine, Nava, just based on what you, you tell me about the dynamic between you and your husband and how serious you are and how he sort of tries to find Zen. I imagine you taking on the task of building a costume uh, quite seriously and like really, really getting into the detail of it and, and sort of getting a point where you're not quite satisfied or, or, you know, never, never fully satisfied, but, but trying to get there. Is that, is that so, accurate? That's not only is that accurate, uh, my husband is infinitely better at it than, than I am. Uh, so <laughs> that's, it's, it's doubly frustrating and confounding. So the, the, the story I'll tell, he was the, the best man uh, at his friend's wedding, and it was a Mass Effect-themed wedding. Uh, so for those of you that don't know, Mass Effect is a, a space epic uh, Commander Shepard saving the galaxy from the Reapers, read space tentacle robots that harvest our DNA. Sure. 
sums up the, the, the entire game in, in two seconds. Uh, so he did a, a cosplay of Garrus Vicarian, who was a Turian. Uh, and he walked around in a, in a mask that he made himself, this really good armor, uh, the rifle that he made himself. He made the whole thing himself. Meanwhile, I'm walking around in a femme chef outfit that's basically <laughs> just the black dress because hmm. I, I could not make the Tali outfit that I was trying to make so hard. Like I spent hours and hours trying to make a custom fabric and I just, I couldn't get it done in time. I'm like, I, I'm not going to put, I'm not going to wear something that's bad. I'm not going <laughs> to, just going to, I'm going to femme chef it. And so that's mm. what I did. Um, but I, I did do evil femme chef with the, the cracks and, and all that. And so along <laughs> my evil serious that's awesome. I like that your default was Fem Shep. That's really funny. Well, that that is canon for Mass Effect. Oh yeah, the, yeah. The, the the canon story is Fem Shep and Garrus because the writers have taste. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're both big fans of of heavy metal. Uh, you more so on the power metal and symphonic metal side of the house, whereas I'm kind of go into that deeper weirder sort of side with like death metal and black metal what what drew you to some of your favorite bands and and this general style of music i love stories uh and the bands that connect that i connect with not only have beautiful vocals uh, but also tell profound stories Uh, so iron maiden is a good kind of foundational band that I think a lot of people will know that is, is a good indicator of whether I'll like a band or not. Uh, Blind Guardian is an absolute favorite of mine. I love listening to Tolkien-esque stories <laughs> sung by Hanzi, who has the best... Ah, his voice is so good. It's so good. And he... I mean, they do really interesting styles of music. I also really like Tear. Tear is really good. Falconer is really good uh, on kind of the the Viking metal side. Ailstorm is 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 a is a rousing bit of fun. Uh, I, I like to use them as my pre uh, speaking songs. Uh, it's it's nice and energetic. Uh, but another one thing that's that I've noticed about myself, um, Camelot and Lacuna Coil were probably the first real really metal that people looked at me as other for that I liked and I gravitated towards uh, and it had kind of more of the, the gothic feel to it uh, and I've, I've found that as I've progressed I've gravitated more towards as much as I'm a very serious person most of the time um, I gravitate more towards music that empowers victory and growth and happiness rather than focusing on death and doom and gloom um, and so I think the reason why Camelot has stuck with me uh, is that even though some of their songs really do have that darkness to it, there's there's always a glimmer of hope. There's always something encouraging you to keep chasing strength. Uh, and that's if the, if the song doesn't make me feel like I can using a Mass Effect idea, like embrace eternity and like go seize the day um, like a battle beast. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to respond well. And I actually will avoid music that's too slow uh, because it will, it will make me profoundly sad. Uh, I don't know what your guys' tolerance is for slow music versus fast music, but I, I I actually cannot listen to slow music. I listen to everything. I legitimately listen to everything. Uh, But I mean, it depends on my mood. So 
Totally mood dependent. Faster stuff. It it really depends on if I'm in an aggressive place or if I just need to feel more pumped up. Because I mean, I'm like you, uh, in in that we have some overlap in in our music that we like, uh, especially with a band like Iron Maiden or or Tear, where they're very especially Iron Maiden being more history focused, Tear being more mythology focused. I find that wildly fascinating. I'm a big concept music fan. My favorite band, Coheed and Cambria, literally has a story woven through all of their albums minus one. Um, so I'm I'm into that as well. But then where we branch off, I go more towards like the Amana Marth side of of things where it's incredibly heavy, but still has that element of telling the story of of Vikings and Norse gods and things. <laughs> Um, yeah. But slow stuff, I'm I'm okay with that too. My God, on the way home from a doctor's appointment the other day, I listened to God. I'm going to say this out loud. I listened to Neon Moon by Brooks and Dunn and was like, "Oh, this is a really poetic song." I never realized that. <laughs> so I'm all over the place. Keith's no all over judgment. the place too. He's a big Cradle of Filth fan, right? Yeah, big Cradle of Filth fan, uh, and at the same time, you know, I'm a huge neoclassical guitar uh, fan. Uh, love me some Iron Maiden. Um, I love a ton of J-Rock, J-Pop, love classical music. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty much everything. I don't know about I don't know about polka. I, I haven't quite yeah. gotten into polka yet. Polka metal is good. Yeah, polka metal. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and by the way, everyone, Keith is not a Cradle of Filth fan. That's an IT crowd joke. So that was more in there for our uh, our office friends that we constantly quote the IT crowd with. You should listen to track five, Cannon Fodder. It's actually quite beautiful. <laughs> it's actually quite beautiful. Um, do you guys do uh, musicals? Or are you into... Together? What's your, where's, mean, your stance not... on, where's your stance on musicals? We both well, auditioned I mean... for Fiddler on the Roof and it didn't work out. Yeah, uh, tradition so... wasn't ours. So. <laughs> I, I bring this up because I, re I... You know how Hamilton just came on Disney Plus? Mm -hmm. I cannot wrap my head around why it's so popular. Like it, I it, it, it's, it yet, but I, I plan it's to. so difficult to understand anything coming out of their mouths. And this is going to be a wildly unpopular opinion, <laughs> but it's like, we could have had a beautiful story. Like do a lame is style. Do a lame is it's perfect. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's profound. <laughs> it's heart wrenching. Uh, you don't, you don't need to speak so fast that no one can understand you. I get it. I get it. And I, I, I will say this. Um, I think a lot of the hype is because it was hyped. Uh, and that's probably a very true statement. Anytime you hype something, it tends to get hyped and be hyped. And it's one of the reasons that I, when people tell me, Keith, you have to watch this. You have to. It's the big, it's the best thing ever. I tend to resist because I, I want to make that decision on my own. I don't want to Same. watch something and think it's great just because you said it was great. So I have yet to watch Hamilton. I kind of want this whole buzz to die down before I give it a shot. So I can really sort of judge it on the merits of what it presents to me, not what someone has told me they like about it. I, so, I want to watch it. I'm a big fan of Fiddler on the Roof, and I really want to watch the, uh, the Beetlejuice musical that's been out for a couple of years now. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing beats Wicked. <laughs> I, I loved Wicked. I thought Wicked was a fantastic uh, show. I loved that a lot. It was here in Austin uh, six or seven years ago. It's really good. Hey, so, in you know, 
I think in, in part of our conversations, no, this was actually what you submitted in your form. You brought up the the concept or the the topic, which I love to talk about personally, <laughs> of of subs versus dubs in anime. And I think a lot of people, including myself, have particularly strong opinions about subs versus dubs. And what I'm referring to is whether the show uh, is is the audio for the show is in the original Japanese with English subtitles, or if we if they use sort of English. Uh, voice actors to dub over. So subs versus dub is this sort of constant debate in the anime community. Uh, so what are your thoughts? Do you, what do you what do you think uh, it has to do with in terms of you know quality of voice actors? What do you, what do you prefer? I prefer subs, but I need to watch in dubs if I want to watch with Dave or my my husband. So I find myself. Because I, I used to look down on dubs aggressively because the translation and the voiceover was it was never right. Like it, it just you know, if I'm watching Rurouni Kenshin in in Japanese with subs versus uh, the the American dubs, uh, Sonosuke's voice is so beautiful and rich and wonderful with, with the subs, and it's it's okay in dubs, but it's not perfect. But this was this was actually a, a growing moment for me is that I was able to put aside my prejudice on subs or, or prejudice on dubs and partake in them because the ability to watch it with someone who otherwise wouldn't consume the content with me uh, was, was was great. Um, and so where I used to be just subs or nothing at all, I've I've grown to be a subs dubs hybrid. I live in a I hybrid model myself. I get it. I'm I'm actually uh, of the same ilk as you. I 100% prefer whatever the original language was of the anime. So even if, you know, um, even if Korea starts producing a ton of anime, I want to hear that in Korean. I don't want to hear it in, um, in English. And, and a lot of the reason for that, I think, has to do with the fact that when... Is it? Is, it's not seiyu. Is it seiyu that are, is is the Japanese word for voice actor? I believe it is. So seiyu are are, are voice actors, and uh, in Japan, this is a discipline that someone says, "I'm going to become a seiyu." They become an apprentice. They learn how to sort of engage in the skill. They improve their skill, and it's a very serious career choice for them. And I feel like a lot of American voice actors in particular kind of fall into it. They answer an ad in the paper, and suddenly they're a voice actor. And so they don't get that proper training that a lot of the seiyu in Japan get. So I, I think you run into qualities of stuff not matching up that you would, you know, that you see in the dubs where it's like, oh, that didn't feel right. That emotion didn't work there. And I think there are a lot of emotions that didn't really don't really translate as well. I think there are some some ways of emoting that the Japanese have that um, Americans just don't do. We don't do it in English. So, for example, uh, in in Japanese, if if someone asks you how you're doing, you can legitimately go, mm. you can just go, mm. <laughs> and that's that's your response, and that's perfectly fine. Or if somebody asks you, you doing okay? You can go, hmm, and it's. That's perfectly acceptable, but that's not something we do here in, in the States. So I think a lot of it has to do with that as well. See, for me, I'm a sub person. If I can, it's a little hard to do when you have a, a baby because paying attention really tough. But if I can, I'll, I'll watch it. Sometimes I do like dubs, but 
I do it for background noise unless their pronunciation is really bad. So I was trying to watch the dub of Attack on Titan not too long ago, Ooh. and Aaron literally calls her Mikasa. Oh, I was no. done. Uh, that Mm-mm. that turned off immediately. But then I that and this might be a snobby thing that's coming out of me working on learning Japanese. But I went back and watched Dragon Ball Z not too long ago, and I was like, oh my god, we've mm-hmm. been saying Saiyan incorrectly our our most almost my entire mm-hmm. life. It's Saiyan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's Saiyan. It's Saiyajin uh, in Japanese. But my God, we that it's just wrong. Uh, yeah. I can't go back at this point, and I always watch the dub of it. But my God, so <laughs> mine was uh, my Hime. Uh, I, I tried. I genuinely did try to watch the dub of that. It was just uh, <laughs> to to be no. fair. To be fair. To be fair. Nobody knows why we're doing that. I think you're giving us the look of like, why are you guys doing that? Um, (laughs) Some people will know, others won't. Um, But to be fair, there have been some really good dubs. And I will say Princess Mononoke was one of them. True. And this is where they hired people who are professional actors who know their talent and their skills. And they were able to translate that into the English dubs for Princess Mononoke. Some other animes, it doesn't. It almost doesn't make sense for it to be in Japanese. So I'm thinking of Bakano, for example, <laughs> which which occurs in I think it was 1930s America, right? Yeah. There's not a single Japanese person in the show. It doesn't make sense that it's in Jap- Japanese. It should be in English. Um, but again, the it, it does. Alchemist one was was passable. On I think it has to do with the quality of the voice actors. And I'm, and I'm going to think yeah. again of, of a of a recent series that I just I'm almost finished with, actually, on HBO Max called Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn has a powerhouse of actors in it. It's got Kaylee Cuoco. It's got Jason Alexander. It's got Alan Turek, Turek the guy that played K2SO. I never know how to say his name. And um, Wash. And Wash, yeah. But and he, in a Night's Tale. Yeah, there. Yeah. I mean, so these these are high quality actors, and it makes a huge difference in their dubs. But that's just me. I would agree, and also my hot take is the Full Metal dub was really good, but Vic Mignola as Edward is not good if you listen oh. to the sub first. Oh, and he's so oh, no. popular too. He's so popular too, and a douche. <laughs> Doesn't he think right. he's a singer or something? You, anyway, anyway, you, never okay, mind. you're giving me a face. Explain. <laughs> Explain. Was that to me or to Keith? Yeah, that's to you. So I'm ma- I'm making a face of all things actually, because so you know the the, the song, um, what is it? The uh, that like really heart wrenching brother love song from Full Metal Alchemist. I'm I'm terrible. It's the end of the day on a Friday. I'm forgetting the name of it. He ain't heavy. Um, he's my brother. <laughs> nah, it's well played. So, in which show? In in Full Metal Alchemist. Well, there's two shows. Like that, that, not Brotherhood. Okay, good. I don't know. I'll, okay, this one's going to be a show note. Either way, you know what? Yeah. This 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 can just be dropped. I don't. I. I yeah. But my hot take: Vic Mignola, worst worst part of the English dub. Worst person ever. Just kidding. Keith, looking at the time, I think we're at your new favorite part of the show. The lightning round. All right. Yeah. 
(laughs) Yeah, so this is going to be our segment every week. We're going to ask pretty much the same questions of every single guest unless we decide to add or subtract questions. And we might do that because this is an ever-evolving show. Let's start the lightning round. All right. How do you think your hobbies have contributed to your success in your full-time work? Because I'm able to deal with Google and Facebook and Bing slash Microsoft's ever-changing rules of engagement. I play lots of board games. I play lots of video games. I have to learn lots of rules of engagement constantly. Therefore, my brain is adept at handling every curveball they feel like throwing at me or my clients. It's great. (laughs) If you could be one fictional character, who would it be? It's a toss-up between Mara Jade and Ernie Kenshin because I feel like they both exemplify who I am. There's both a, a darkness and, and a light irreverence. And I, I, I like to think of that I channel my darker impulses for good. Auto. <laughs> what other interests would you like to pursue if time wasn't a constraint? I would actually overcome my Achilles heel of languages. I'm so bad at languages. I only have English under my belt. And I every time I try, I, I always fail. And so I feel like if I had infinite time and I was I didn't have to worry about money, I would be able to communicate effectively with everyone, not just those that are English speaking. So desne. And that is our lightning round. So with the lightning round done, that about wraps up another another episode of the Austin Otaku podcast. Uh, thank you very much for being on Nava. This was an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Indeed. Thank you so much for having me and hanging out. I love you guys. And if we can just geek out about life as opposed to stressing the little stuff, it's a good day. Absolutely. That's what I'm going to miss this year most is seeing everyone and just chatting at conferences. So it was great talking to you. Virtual conferences are, we can still chat at virtual conferences. True that. True that. So Hopefully we'll have a couple in the the near future that we can all three hang out in. But with that, thank you all for joining uh, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Austin Otaku Podcast. To learn more about us and our show, to be a guest, or to subscribe to our show, go to www.austinotaku.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. 